Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning we read from the epistle of Jude, uh, verses 3 and 4. Dear friends, though I was eager to write you about the salvation we share, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints for all. For some people who were designated for this judgment long ago have come in by stealth. They are ungodly, turning the grace of our God into sensuality and denying Jesus Christ, our only Master and Lord. We pray. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Be seated, please. In the name of Jesus Christ, dear fellow redeemed. So last Sunday I gave... uh, Examples of how our culture has changed quite drastically over the last years. Uh, We are facing things that we haven't faced before in our culture that are so contrary to the Word of God. And I also made the point that we rightfully call these things heresies or false teachings and lies from Satan. So this is a strong statement. So let me uh, clarify once again what I was putting into this category of false teachings and and lies of Satan. So, besides many other things, heresies and lies of Satan that have arisen today in our culture include the belief and practice that marriage is not designed to be a lifelong union, but can be ended for whatever reason. The belief that marriage can be between two men or two women. The belief and practice that becoming one flesh or physical intimacy does not have to be restricted to a man and woman within marriage. The belief and practice that homosexuality is normal, acceptable, and good. The belief and practice that a male can identify as a female and vice versa, and they may receive hormone treatments or surgeries to help with their so-called chosen identity. The belief and practice that there's nothing wrong with raising children by LGBTQ partners that is just as good as being raised by a father and a mother who are married to each other. The belief and practice that an abortion is a woman's right and not the murder of an innocent child whose life ought to be protected. The belief and practice that there's nothing wrong with and is even good to expose children to men dressed up as women, drag queens in order to entertain or educate them. The belief or practice that a person is inferior or guilty of some sin merely on the basis of his skin color, heredity, his sex, his position of authority or blessings he may have received in this life. To put it another way, What has become ingrained in our society in so many places is the belief and the practice that there is no real and transcendent truth, the understanding that God has 
not spoken definitively and clearly on these issues. And instead, each person or each group can decide for himself what his or what his group's truths will be. Again, these have become so popular in our society. They have found themselves into many settings in our society. Um, and it is by these lies that Satan is, is blinding many people to the truths of Christianity, to the truth of Christ as the only way, truth, and life to the Heavenly Father. And it is by such lies that he is leading many Christians astray from faith in Christ, or at least trying to silence Christians. And I want you to note that one thing I haven't done yet is uh, how are we to, to love our neighbors who have been caught up in these lies? I haven't spoken to that yet, really. Uh, but I, what I want us to understand is that we, we do have to understand that these are lies because if we don't understand that these are lies that the people have bought into, then we will never understand that we need to deliver them out of these lies. Let me um, try to explain. By the way, if you have a copy of the sermon, I'm not following a word for word or even paragraph by paragraph today, so you might have to jump around a little bit. But one of the ways I've explained this to you in the past is by, you know, picture a chart in this chart this history chart. On the, on the top of the chart, you have this one line that represents the Word of God. The Word of God is constant. It never changes. It's always the same. It's the highest standard there is. You know, thousands of years ago, up to today, it's, it's the same. And then you also have on this historical chart uh, what we could call culture. And, and culture kind of goes up and down. Sometimes it comes a little closer to the Word of God, its respect for tolerance of the Word of God, but sometimes it gets pretty far away from that high standard. Today we would say it's, well, come down pretty low. Okay? And then between that high standard of God's word and culture, you have the church. Okay? Well, what does the church do? Well, the church is supposed to, of course, abide by that high standard. And sometimes the church comes pretty close. But there's other times also when the church decides, no, oh, we're going to follow culture here. And so it dips pretty low. And that's happening today as well. There's always this temptation for the church and Christians to follow or to allow themselves to be, bull, to be pulled in the direction of culture. But anyway, this is the, the, the society in which we now live. And so the question is, what do we do? How do we protect ourselves, our children, our grandchildren from falling prey to these lies and heresies what can we do to help those caught up in these lies and bring them to the truth that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life so that they might find full and free forgiveness in him and be saved eternally? I've put together what I'm calling seven helps we are to take advantage of in these last days. Uh, but before I go into those uh, seven, and just uh, I'll just touch upon uh, two or three of them today, but before we go there, I, I want us to understand that uh, 
there is a foundation for all of them, for all seven of these. And that foundation is expressed in verse 4 of Hem 5.11, O keep us in thy word. Whereas Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you are really my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So it's the word, the word of God alone. The word of God is what the Holy Spirit uses. And everything that follows, these seven helps that follow. They find their source and their foundation in the word. It is the word that convicts and calls and enlightens and sanctifies and guides and defends and forgives and comforts and strengthens and helps us to remain steadfast in difficult days. Or to put it another way, since uh, we are what we call Christocentric, we center on Christ, the word of God ultimately points us to, brings us to, and offers to us Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the sinner's Redeemer and Savior, in order that we might be his own, live under him in his kingdom, and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. So, seven helps. Number one, testing the spirits. The Apostle John wrote, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. We have an example of this in Acts chapter 17. In the city of Berea, you have Jewish believers there who hear the message of Christ from, for the first time from St. Paul. And it is said of these Bereans, the people here were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica since they received the word, the word that St. Paul taught them about Christ. They received the word with eagerness and examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And this coincides with uh, what we read from the book of Jude a short time ago. Beloved, although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I found it necessary to write appealing you to contend for the faith. Contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once for all. Uh, in other words, there's a, a comparison that's supposed to be taking place here. A righteous and a necessary judging. We are to take the beliefs and practices that are out there, no matter where they come from, and compare them to the word of God, the ultimate authority. And where many churches and Christians have gotten into trouble is when some other authority, some other book, some other teacher or professor, some research, some article found on social media, some dear friend, some other person's experience 
somebody's alleged scientific fact or data, some other worldview, some popular way of thinking, some other philosophy, some other religion and its prophets are assumed and believed to be a higher authority than the word of God. You know, I've had many conversations over the years, but several in the last months where I'm talking to people, sometimes they're Christians, sometimes they're not, and, and uh, they've made known to me, well, I've read this book, or I've read this, or I go to this uh, library, or this bookstore, or I've listened to this podcast, or whatever. And what they're saying to me really is, this, what I've read or listened to, is a higher authority than the Word of God. And that's the way it's been throughout the centuries. It's nothing new. It's always been happening. The Christian church uh, throughout the centuries has been somewhat consistent that the Bible, the Word of God, is inspired, inerrant, powerful, sufficient, and the final authority when it comes to what we are to believe and what we are to practice. And at the same time, Satan and the world are always luring Christians and congregations away from that authoritative word of God. In other words, that chart again there. It's always luring the church, in, coming close to the word, it's always luring that church towards culture, towards the lies that are out there. Now, this testing, this testing of spirits is not easy. For Satan is very sly. But we do have to take this mandate to test the spirits seriously. In the words of Jesus, we are to be as shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. Because Jesus is sending us out like sheep among wolves. Doesn't sound like he knows what he's doing, but he does. So that is uh, the first help, that we are to be in the business of testing the spirits, always. The second help, prayer. We are to pray, and for good reason, prayer works. I'm going to mention three things we are to pray for. There's many, of course, but just three things. First, we are to pray for wisdom. This has to do with testing the spirits. Wisdom, you might say, sends up a red flag from time to time. Wisdom helps us to say, hey, something is wrong here. It might take a little while to figure it out. Or we might have to ask somebody who is wiser and has more insight might have to ask him, is there something wrong here with this that I'm hearing or reading? But this judging and testing of some belief or practice needs to be done. And wisdom is the gift that God gives us and that we need. And the good news is that God wants to give us wisdom. We read in the book of James, 
Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. I remember when I was brought back to my baptismal grace when I was at college, and there were two people in particular who were able to answer my questions. And they did so very wisely, or as the book of James says, they did so peacefully and gently and reasonably. I was so impressed by them. I've uh, ever since that day continued to pray for (coughs) wisdom for myself. (coughs) So wisdom. Another thing we pray for is mercy. And this, of course, course includes uh, confessing our sins, knowing that God in his mercy does forgive. We we confess our sins and we have the absolution. Uh, But I don't know if you notice today or every time we have this order of service from page 60, (coughs) we have the Kyrie, Eleison, Lord have mercy upon us. We have that following forgiveness of sins. Why is that? Are we asking for forgiveness a second time already? No. We are asking for mercy, God's mercy, because his mercy is needed for more than just forgiveness, we might say. Again, we live in evil days. We need divine help. We need God's mercy when we go out there and face the lies and the temptations of Satan. And remember, prayer always works. One more thing I'll mention to pray for. Jesus said, love your enemies And pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who persecute you. And this can be tough. But uh, think of who you and I were. Before faith in Christ, we were enemies of Christ, just like those who may persecute us. Most days I would rather criticize my enemies. It makes me look better, I think. Uh, But no, Jesus tells me to love them and to pray for them. Just like many Jewish Christians prayed for a man by the name of Paul or Saul, who was persecuting them. And look what happened to him the greatest evangelist the world has ever known. I believe this, this prayer to pray for those who perse- persecute us will be more and more necessary as we face what is ahead. <clears throat> I think I'll just cover one part of the next help. Number three, the, the help that God has given us is our memories. But, <clears throat> memories put to good use. It is remembering what we ought to remember. There's a real emphasis on this in the book of Deuteronomy and in the book of Psalms. For example, <clears throat> They're told to remember specific things. 
In Deuteronomy, we read, Be sure to remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and all Egypt, the great trials that you saw, the signs and wonders, the strong hand and outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. And they were to remember this so they could repeat these things to their children, and they to their children, and so forth. The problem, of course, is that they forgot. They forgot very quickly. And so we read in, in Psalm 106, They soon forgot his works. They forgot God, their Savior, who did great things in Egypt, Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, awe-inspiring acts at the Red Sea. They forgot. They forgot the great saving work of God that delivered them from slavery. A saving work that foreshadowed the greatest saving work that would take place 1,600 years later when God would send his only begotten son. We find the same encouragement and command to remember given by Jesus. I'll just mention one thing Jesus said, the Lord's Supper. Take and eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and drink, this is the blood of the New Testament. Do this in remembrance of me. We are to remember Jesus. Whatever has been written about him, we are to remember. We are to remember as we walk about in this difficult world, his conception by the Holy Spirit, his virgin birth, his baptism, his temptations, his perfect righteousness, his claims about who he is, his miracles, his passion, his crucifixion, his blood atonement, his resurrection, and his his ascension to the right hand of God the Father. We are to remember that he has sent and continues to send his Holy Spirit in word and sacrament. We are to remember his, his word and promises. We are to remember that he said he will come again to judge the living and the dead. Why has he done all this, all these events? Why? Well, for us and our salvation. Free. By the way, this is, this is why we have the creeds every week, where we're reminding ourselves of who this Jesus is and what he did. We'll come back to these helps uh, next Sunday, but um, just let me go back to one thing that I said earlier. The Word of God is the all-encompassing thing. It's the foundation and the source of all these helps that God has given us. But we remember this, that the Word of God is there first, foremost, and always to point us to Christ, to offer Christ to us, to offer Christ to us in word and sacrament, to offer Christ to us for the forgiveness of all our sins, which you have received in For those of you communing today, you will receive it again in the sacrament of the altar. These things are there to help us survive difficult days, to help us stand steadfast in very strange and evil days. So may God continue to grant us his word by which we are preserved. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and shall be forevermore. Amen.
And now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.